Warning, you're about to enter the arena and join the battle to save America with your host, Sean Parnell. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Battleground Live. It's great to have you here, folks. The the debate last night. Oh, my gosh. I I, I have to tell you, I, I watched that debate, and I told you all yesterday that I, I don't really care about the debate that much. Um, in fact, my father texted me last night. He's like, hey, are you watching this debate? I'm like, actually, no, I'm watching uh, Tucker Carlson and Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> I just, I, I have to tell you, I like Bill O'Reilly. I used to watch him all the time way back in the day when he was on the eight o'clock hour in, in Fox. And I just, for whatever reason, I just really like the guy. I like his presentation. I like the way that he presents facts. I, I like his perspective on things. And, you know, I have to tell you, I actually met Bill O'Reilly in 2012 on one of my very first I mean, it wasn't my first, but it was it was one of my very first national media appearances. I was speaking at the 2012 Republican National Convention. And, and by the way, nobody knew who the hell I was back then. And I remember uh, sitting in the green room at Fox like I was all nervous. And I remember watching all these people come in in and out of the green room. And Bill O'Reilly was sitting over in the corner like this, reading a paper. And I was sitting <laughs> I was like, I was probably 10 feet away from him in the corner. I like, he just, he, he's like reading the newspaper, looking over the newspaper at me and then looking back at the newspaper and then looking over the newspaper and glaring at me. Like he knew, he could sense that I wanted to talk to him and he puts the newspaper back. He puts the newspaper down in his lap. He said, do you need something? You want a picture? Come over, snap, smile. That was it. <laughs> but that didn't change my perspective about the guy. I still liked him. Uh, so, but my dad was like, what are you doing? Not watching the debate. This is literally your job. And I said, I relented. And I said, you know what? You're right. So I turned on the debate. Um, but again, I told you all, I didn't really care about it because I think that this is the JV team out there. Um, and I, and I mentioned to you all yesterday that if you're a candidate and you're running in a race and you're not the center of the conversation, you're either not talking about the right stuff or your candidacy is just not effective. And I have to say, folks, I just, I, I felt that everyone on that stage was just a distraction from what was actually going on in the country and the stuff that actually mattered. And I think the Republican Party, I mean, I mean, you know my general feelings on primaries. Sometimes I think primaries can be a good thing. If you're running for the House of Representatives, you're running for governor, you're running for Senate, you're running for president, a primary gives you the opportunity to hone your message and sharpen your skills. That way, by the time the general election comes around, you're ready. You're in fighting shape. You're ready to take the fight to the Democrats. But what happened on that stage last night, I think was, and I'm trying to be kind here because I know a lot of the people on that stage. I think many of those people are good, decent people. Um, I'm trying to be kind, but I think last night was a, 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 a major loss for the GOP. Um, and frankly, it's just impossible to have a debate with 200 freaking people on the stage. So that was the number one, that was the number one issue, I think. Uh, but it was chaotic because I think the moderators were, weren't great either. Um, and I think network coverage for Fox and, and actual views on rumble were down across the board. So it was just not a good night for the GOP. Um, it, I, 
I got to tell you, before I get into some of the more like the, the little deeper debate analysis, I do want to thank Deepwell, uh, Deepwell Services. They are our founding sponsor of this program. And guys, ladies and gentlemen, I know Brock doesn't like when I say that, but folks, we have some really, really exciting stuff in the works behind the scenes to really th- that will really take this show to the next level. So I'm super excited about that. So stay tuned. We're going to announce that stuff soon. But Deepwell. Deepwell Services was our very first sponsor, and we would not be here were it not for them. They're an energy company that believes in American energy independence. They are hiring. They are located all across the country. If you believe in American energy independence and you also believe in like real cheap gas and you know cheap monthly energy bills, then Deepwell Services is a company that you should look into, especially if you have a family member that needs a job. They are hiring like gangbusters right now and growing like crazy. But go to the website, check them out. They're a hell of a company. I know the leadership there. But thank you to Deepwell for allowing this show uh, to remain on the air and to grow into the movement that it's become. And again, if you're watching this show right now and you're with us, um, make sure that you like this video or rumble. It is very, very important. It helps it helps shape the algorithm in a positive way so that people at rumble notice if people at rumble notice we get advertisers and if we get advertisers it means i can build a studio and get outside uh get away from my cat's litter box so so like this video uh subscribe to our our show page i mean it is and will always be free and battleground live will come to you at 5 p.m every night monday through friday uh i also want to take a real quick opportunity I got my very first piece. I get lots of fan mail for for the books and stuff that I wrote. And it's not not bragging about that. I've just I've gotten what I'm trying to tell you is I got fan mail before, but I got my very first piece of fan mail today about the show, which is really awesome. And I want to thank Be- Betty Wright. I mean, she wrote me this awesome letter. It's very very kind. Um, she said she likes listening to the show. Betty, we are very, very lucky to have you here. Um, she did say that she worries about my health and my blood pressure because I do get fired up about everything on the show. Thank you for that comment, Betty. We will keep an eye on my blood pressure. And if it spikes, I will make sure that I get on blood pressure medicine. But hey, thank you for the letter. If I get letters like this, I read them. I'll, I'll honor you, talk about you all on the show. And she wished me well. Um, and uh, on our journey to build a new studio. So thank you, Betty. God bless you, uh, for, for the letter. I greatly, great, greatly appreciate it. Um, but back to the, the GOP debate, um, the GOP debate, it just, it was just sloppy. It was tedious. It was insubstantial. I thought largely it was kind of embarrassing for the GOP. As I mentioned to you, I think it was a net loss and, A lot of it just had to do with the issues that were talked about. I mean, half the time I was watching that debate, I felt like I was watching a debate on MSNBC for the Democrats. The topics that were discussed were topics that Republican primary voters, they might care about a little bit, but the core of the discussion on that stage last night was not where the base of our party was. It was like I was watching a debate that was 10, 20 years ago in the GOP. There was absolutely, I mean, and listen to this. This is like, this is a huge deal. I I cannot believe that not a single question last night was asked about the Biden crime family syndicate and all of these corruption bombshells that have been released one after the next. And again, just last night or the day before, James Comer, released proof that money 
plus $260,000 was wired directly to Joe Biden's Wilmington home. And oh, by the way, the Democrats were out in in mass uh, in the wake of that saying, well, oh my gosh, Hunter Biden was just living at that address and he was there because of the pandemic. Well, it came out also that Hunter Biden actually wasn't living at the address at the time that the money was wired there. He was living in California. So which is it? Was he living there because of the pandemic and that's why he got the money from the communist Chinese or was he actually living in California? The, The answer is he was living in California, but no questions about that at all. Don't you want to hear how these fellow Republican or our fellow Republican candidates feel about all of the corruption at the highest levels of our government? Not a single question. Hugely, hugely disappointing. There wasn't a single question on election integrity. Folks, I'm telling you Now I ran two campaigns in 2020 and in 2022. In 2020, I ran for Congress in a highly contentious swing district in Western Pennsylvania. I spoke in prime time at the Republican National Convention, and we carried that momentum into a Senate race in 2022. I am telling you, every place that I went, every member of the Republican Party, almost everywhere I went, I would get at least five or six questions about, holy, holy God, how the hell are we ever going to win another election again? How are we going to make sure one person truly means just one vote? What are we going to do about these mail-in ballots? What, Sean, what are you doing about Pennsylvania's no excuse absentee ballot law, Act 77? How can how can the GOP you know, better campaign and use mail-in ballots for our own benefit? I mean, these are the questions that the, you get asked. I mean, I'm telling you, every day. Every, every single day, somebody emails me, somebody texts me, somebody reaches out to me on social media and asks me about election integrity. But Fox, in their infinite wisdom, and listen to me, I have friends at Fox News. Fox News, had they were my very first television interview on Fox and Friends when my first book, Outlaw Platoon, came out. I know the associate producers there at that network. Those people are now executive producers. I even know Pete Hegseth is a good friend of mine. He hosts Fox and Friends on the weekend. So This isn't an indictment on Fox, but how could you not ask about election integrity? It is critically, critically important. And if, if these moderators and if a network is, if they're not asking questions that our base cares about, then how the hell do any of these candidates ever expect to really break out and get noticed by the base, which is absolutely necessary for, for candidates to win? Not that I think that, look, you know where I stand on this. You know that I'm a Trump guy. I've been a Trump guy from the, from, from the, from the very beginning, back in, back in shortly after he got in the race in 2016, I realized who he was and his insurgent movement. And I've been with him ever since. He was with me in 2020. He was with me in 2022. He stood by me through some very difficult times. But you know, on this show, I tell you guys can support who you want to support. And I completely respect that. And if you do support somebody else for president, fine. But how do you expect that person to break out if they're not even talking about questions that the base gives a damn about? And, and the last thing, and, and this this to me is, is the most important thing, and I weighed in on this issue on Twitter or X or whatever it's called last night, but there was no mention of the weaponization of our federal government by the Biden administration against the American people. There wasn't a single mention about that. 
And to me, and to, by the way, our base of the Republican Party, this is by and large one of the top, if if not the top issue for our the base of our party is the weaponization of the federal government against fellow conservatives and people that they would perceive as political enemies. And the reality is, folks, none of this matters. You know, all the talk of small government, which I believe in, all the talk of low taxes, which I believe in, all the talk of school choice, and all of these other stereotypical Republican issues, they don't matter if the Democrats can lock up people that they don't agree with. And not just anybody. Lock up their main political rival, Donald Trump, who just so happens to be up by, in some polls, 40 to 50 points. And so I just I just thought it was it was bad all around. Um, and there's some polling that that came out in the wake of the debate. And I I actually um, put out a, a tweet last night Uh I don't even know what the hell you call them. It's not a tweet anymore. They call the website X. So what what is it? I don't know. But I put something out on the website formerly known as Twitter and said that the biggest winner of the debate was Donald Trump, hands down. Period. Full stop. I mean, he's he he outmaneuvered and outflanked everybody in the Republican primary last night by simply staying above the noise, staying above the chaos. He was above the fray. And in doing so, he separated himself from the pack yet again. Let me tell you quickly, personal story about a a debate. I mean, I've been in a debate. I know what it's like to prepare for a debate, to have consultants all around you prepping you on certain issues. I know what it feels like to walk into that television station, you know, and be in the green room and, and, and select the rules of how a debate's going to be conducted and how long commercial breaks will be and and who actually is going to be the moderator all of these things campaigns have control over but what was nice about my debate is it was a first of all it was a debate in the general election where I was already the Republican nominee running against the Democrat nominee there were two people on that stage and a moderator that by the way We didn't just take who was given to us by these news networks. We were very careful and we were very deliberate about who we picked. My perspective is the Republicans, if you have a choice, should not fight on the battlefield that's just given to them by the left. I would even go so far as to say, and there were some issues with this last night, of accepting the left's premise or accepting the battlefield that the left gives you to fight on. So these media networks, when you're running a campaign, they don't really care about the Republican candidate. I'm telling you, uh, you think the national media is bad, local media can be just as bad as well. So you have to go into these debates thinking that the network, from their producers, from the people who work the cameras, from the people who are moderating the debates, got it out for the Republican. So you have to be fairly deliberate about the rules of the debate, how they're going to be conducted, you know, how long each candidate gets to respond, gets to make, are there going to be opening statements or are there going to be closing statements? Who gets to speak first? But one of the most important parts is the selection of the moderator. And again, not accepting the left's premise on things, both in the, again, the battlefield that you're given, but also on issues. 
The way that moderators phrase questions is hugely important, not just with regards to how you answer them, but to how people at home perceive them. I mean, I guarantee you, if you think back to what with Candy Crowley and Kristen Welker and these the people who who journalists who have moderated presidential debates before, I am sure that you felt in past presidential elections that, oh my gosh, Chris Wallace, oh my God, these people are horrible, they're ridiculous, they're biased. Why do you think that? Because it's it's because you know that they're biased. They're coming into it with an inherent bias against Republicans. But my issue with the Republican Party, year in and year out, one presidential cycle after the next, is for some reason they agree to these biased terms and they let these left-wing radicals on the stage to moderate debates about issues that pertain to our base in the Republican Party. We had some issues with that last night with this moderator. I mean, you had Dana Perino, you had Stuart Varney, and you had uh, a woman from Univision that, frankly, I don't know. I've never heard of her before. Um, But her questions weren't even really questions. They were basically just statements, and they were radical left-wing statements. Did anybody at Fox vet this person before they brought her on? Did any one of the presidential candidates say, wait a second, why do we even have her up here? None of this really makes any sense. Why would we be answering radical left-wing questions? And here's why that's important. If you accept the left's premise with regards to how arguments are framed, you have already lost. And I'm talking about the left's premise on racism, the left's, cl- the left's premise on the American flag, the left's premise on kneeling for the national anthem, uh, the left's premise on climate change, the left's premise on open borders. If you accept their premise and the faulty premise of those questions, you as Republicans have already lost. There were far too many times on that stage last night where Republican presidential candidates were answering questions from a radical leftist who had no interest about what their answer actually was. They were gotcha questions shaped with with radical leftists with a radical leftist premise meant to make the Republican look bad. In fact, there were a great many times on that debate stage last night where the Republicans should have been like, you know what? Stop. I reject the premise of your question. I think it's wrong, but here's how I feel about the issue. But uh, so when when we d- uh, debated in the 2020 election, I mean, we vetted quite a bit who the moderator was going to be, and we did not agree to anyone who we thought would be biased. And we ended up having a great moderator who was very fair. And I am telling you, we wiped the floor with with my opponent. And the reason here, look, this is why this is important to candidates, to incumbents, to people who are trying to run for higher office. The reason why the moderator is so important is because Democrats don't know how to answer tough questions. The media is wholly in their pocket. They rarely get asked difficult questions. And because of that, they rarely have to debate. Most of the time, they suck at it. They suck at it. And so because we had a fair a fair moderator, and by the way, I don't know what, what the political beliefs were of the moderator that we had back then. I have no idea. I mean, she wasn't slanted to me. She wasn't slanted to my opponent. She was fair. 
But isn't it interesting that just Republicans just want fair? Democrats want people who are wholly in the tank for them. So if you're a candidate, you're watching this, or you're a member of the base, you're just in the platoon, and you have contact with Republican representatives, pass along this wisdom to them, because the moderator matters quite a bit. And whether you win a debate or you don't, Democrats don't know how to answer real questions. And after we wipe the floor with my opponent, I mean, and by the way, Democrats all agreed that we wiped the floor with our opponent back in the day. They were they were desperately trying to trip us up and get us into other debates with far left moderators so that they could try to even the playing field. You know what we said? We did exactly what President Trump is doing now. No, no, thanks. Like you weren't even you you got to earn you got to earn a fight with the champion. (laughs) You know what I mean? You've got to earn a fight with the champ. And we already wiped the floor with them. It was no challenge. We said, you know what? We had our debate, but that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to trip us up and, and, and drag us into a debate trap with moderators that were hostile to conservatism and hostile to Republican Party. And we weren't going to have it. But last night in the wake of the debate, there was a poll, uh, the JL Partners poll, the Daily Mail, uh, 404, or 546 Republican debate viewers, you know who they said that they won. So it wasn't just me saying, oh, Republicans won. They are all, oh, Donald Trump won the debate. Excuse me. Uh, no, people actually thought who watched the debate that Trump was the winner. <laughs> he wasn't even there. Um, it said Donald Trump won the debate with 27%, Ramaswamy at 26%, and then it falls off to DeSantis 17, Pence 6, Haley 6, Scott 5, Christie 3, Burgum 3, Hutchinson 2. And folks, listen, I got to tell you, like, when I tell you, it's it, you can't have a debate with 200 freaking people on the stage. I told you this yesterday, and I'm going to tell you again. Some of these people are polling at 0%, 1%, 2%. Pups McGee never run for a political office. My dog never run for a political office in her entire life. She would be ho- polling higher than most of these people. It's just, why are you even on the stage? Now, just because they narrow the field, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to make it more difficult on Donald Trump, because by and large, Donald Trump, people in the Republican Party like Donald Trump. So let's say, for example, Doug Burgum gets out. What well, doesn't necessarily mean that support's going to go to Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley or Tim Scott. In fact, that support could easily go to Donald Trump and make his percentage grow even more significantly than it already is. So a consolidation of the field doesn't necessarily help these other candidates, but in the service of the American people learning about the issues that matter and learning about these candidates for, oh, I don't know, cabinet positions, maybe the position of vice president, it would actually help the American people if we cut down the field a little bit. And I think, you know, where the rubber meets the road, some of these candidates are going to have to make real hard decisions because I've mentioned to you before, if a dollar is going to Doug Burgum, who, by the way, came out of the came out of that debate last night, I kind of thought he was a good guy. I mean, now, North Dakota, he's a governor of North Dakota. That's a state that has 800,000 people. There are congressional representatives in the state of Pennsylvania that represent eight 800,000 people, maybe 735,000 per district in the state of Pennsylvania. So he doesn't, his state, his state is, is has a rather small population, but I did like Doug Burgum. I like what he had to say. Does he have a snowball's chance in hell at winning? No. But again, the debate last night, total net loss. And one word comes to mind when I think of it. And that word is mayhem. And as Viva Free, this he's a he's a rumble guy, somebody that I, I watch on Twitter sometimes as well, because he's got good takes on things. He he called the debate useless, 
unproductive mayhem. And I completely agree. Uh, check out this video and you'll see exactly why I believe what I believe. Go ahead and roll the tape. So if I may, I agree with Ron When every other CEO expanded in the Chinese market, you know what I did with my first company? We opened a subsidiary in China. But you know what I did that was different than every other company? We got the hell out of there. And when I started my yeah, right company, before you ran the right I made a commitment that we would never have business in China. I will say something. Well, if I, I was interrupted by a lot of people here, and I want to be respectful because I believe you were respectful last week. But I do not believe in these. We're sitting here in the Reagan Library. Yes, I wish you the honor of Ronald Reagan's library. If I may, from one admirer from one admirer of Reagan to another. Did you not see? I'm getting lost. This isn't productive. What the hell is that? Like, how does how do the American people get anything from that? Honestly, I mean, I mean, this is why. Uh, when I said that views were down at Fox and views were down across the board at Rumble, and by the way, I love Rumble. I, I, I they're great to us. Um, but that's why advertising dollars for the debate were actually heavily discounted because even advertisers knew that you know this wasn't the championship fight. And why? Because Donald Trump wasn't there. In fact, they. Very few people even really attacked Donald Trump. And when they did, they did it in such stupid, stupid ways that Joe Biden is actually using some of these useful idiots on stage. Excuse me. I'm sorry. But these are people that are running for president. They should have better political instincts than they do. They're attacking Donald Trump and they're giving Biden sound bites that within five minutes of the debate, being over, Biden already had a commercial up using DeSantis's words to attack President Trump. By the way, based on falsehood, check out this video. It'll probably blow your mind. Courtesy. And you know who else is missing in action? Donald Trump is missing in action. He should be on this stage tonight. He owes it to you to defend his record where they added $7.8 trillion to the debt. That set the stage for the inflation that we have now. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. That hurts our party. That hurts our movement. That hurts Donald Trump, who at this point, the guy's going to be the nominee. Everybody knows he's going to be the nominee. In fact, you know, we'll get to this a little bit later, but Republicans, the people behind the curtain, all the mega donors, they're like, they nail in the coffin on Ron DeSantis. They're looking somewhere else for a savior. But my point is, how how does that attack, which, by the way, it wasn't even true. When Donald Trump left office, inflation was at something like 1.37%. It's risen. It, it, it's 
had a meteoric rise under Joe Biden. I think it's risen to over 3.4%. And, and that's not the consumer, that's not even, that's just baseline inflation. But true inflation is somewhere over 16%, made possible by the Inflation Reduction Act, which again, anytime they name a bill, just presume it does the exact opposite. Uh, but Joe Biden in the nonstop printing of cash at the Fed, who has, he's, this is the guy that's been responsible for the vast majority of inflation that we're here, that we're, that, that we're experiencing today. But Ron DeSantis, what do you think is going to happen in the general election when Trump is facing off against Biden? I mean, why, Biden doesn't even have to use, Biden doesn't even have to do the attacking. He can just run Ron DeSantis's own words attacking President Trump in an attempt to shave just enough Republican support off of Trump that it really, really, really hurts him. So some of these Republicans, are there any any of you on that stage that that is willing to put this country before your own self-interest, before your own campaign? And and look, I blame consultants just as much as I blame some of these candidates. When I tell you that candidates, most of the time, telling you this, I'm telling you, most of the time, people who are running for political office have terrible political instincts, so they hire consultants. And these consultants, you know, they surround them, they follow them everywhere, they build up their ego, they tell them what they want to hear. Why? Because consultants get a monthly retainer from each candidate. Now, candidate raises money from donors and from the people. A significant portion of that goes to paying consultants who give political advice, right? They also do polling. They also get paid every single time a piece of mail is sent out. They also get paid every single time a commercial is run. They do these media ad buys. So consultants have an incentive to keep candidates in as long as humanly possible. And so this message isn't even just necessarily to these candidates. It's also to the consultants who back them. And I, by the way, I got nothing against consultants. They, I, I don't. I think generally speaking, most there there are a lot of them that are that are pretty bad. But there are some very very good ones too. I had great consultants on my last race. I liked my consultants. In the world of consultants, they're probably the best. However, at some point, these candidates and these campaigns must do a self audit and ask themselves if they are doing the country a service? Are they putting themselves before the country, the needs of their campaign before the country or not? Because look, it's put up or shut up time. I told you before that America stands on a very, very thin line between hope and darkness. If we lose in 2024, I don't know if another Republican will ever get elected again. We've already, the Democrats have already demonstrated they're willing to weaponize the federal government against the American people. They're going after Donald Trump now and his allies right now. But if Joe Biden wins a second term and he does not have to worry about getting reelected again, the gloves are going to come off. So at some point, consultants, candidates, you've got to ask yourself, am I doing the country a service by staying in this race? Why am I staying in this race? Do I have a snowball's chance in hell to win this race? I would say across the board, the answer is no. But there are some people up there on that stage, folks, that just know they're not going to win. But these people are just trying to kneecap President Trump and destroy him. Garden State Lizzo, a.k.a. Chris Christie, is one of those people. 
He had a moment during the campaign that was clearly rehearsed in a mirror. I can see him trying to say it over and over again, trying to build himself up. But this comet fell flat on its on its face. And frankly, it was conduct unbecoming of a, a well, it's conduct unbecoming. It was just damn stupid. Go ahead and go ahead and roll this tape. We need law and order back in our suburbs. People are threatened there. We need it in our rural areas. People feel threatened there. And we need it in Washington, D.C. also. And Donald Trump should be here to answer for that, but he's not. And I want to look at that camera right now and tell you, Donald, I know you're watching. You can't help yourself. I know you're watching. Okay? And you're not here tonight. Not because of polls and not because of your indictments. You're not here tonight because you're afraid of being on the stage and defending your record. You're ducking these things. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You keep doing that. No one up here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck. All right. Oh, oh, I get it. Oh, because he's ducking the debate. We're going to call you Donald Duck. Dude, you're a moron. Like, I know you think you're witty and funny, but I'm sorry that was asinine. And the only reason you're up on that stage, Chris Christie, the only reason is because you're jealous that Trump fired you. That's it. Didn't make you vice president. Didn't make you attorney general. You are running a campaign on revenge, trying to kneecap President Trump by attacking him. By the way, and not attacking him very well. That was like the lamest joke I've ever heard. And you heard the groans in the crowd, didn't you? It was absolutely pathetic. Why are you in the race? It's time for you to go. Stop putting your own self-interest above this country. Tim Scott had his moments last night. Not many of them were very good. And I have to tell you, Tim Scott is a nice man. He's a nice man. But he is better suited, I mean, as a politician in the 80s, than he is for the war, the political war that we're in today. I, I'm telling you, nice man, deserves to be the senator from South Carolina. Is he right for the moment of president of the United States at one of the most dangerous times in our nation's history? My two cents, I'm sorry if you all like him, and I, I respect if you like him, but my two cents, probably not. But this, this comment on this video, I'm highlighting this for you because, as I mentioned to you before, do not accept the left's framing and premise on the issues. If you've done that, you've already lost. Tim Scott accepts the left's premise on identity politics, and he talks about it here. Go ahead and roll this tape. There's no doubt that if you lead by example, it's the best way to get the job done. If you look at my office in the Senate, my chief of staff is the only Hispanic female chief of staff in the Senate. I hired her because she was the best highest qualified person we have what we need really like you know that of all the senators you know that that your that your chief of staff is the only hispanic female chief of staff in the senate do they keep track of those stats is there like an an excel spreadsheet somewhere um that republicans have of diversity hires and i'm not saying i'm suggesting his chief of staff is a diversity hire but you see my point like is there an excel spreadsheet of of people of color who republicans hire for these positions if so that's ridiculous how about, and here's a novel idea, you don't play identity politics, Tim Scott, because as Republicans, we don't believe in that. We don't believe, Martin Luther King, you know, the, 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 we judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. So folks, you see what I mean? That's a great example of accepting the left's 
premise on policy and in this case, matters of hiring. Just hire the best person, Tim Scott. Stop pandering. It's absolute nonsense. Our, it's not who we are as a party. So please just stop. You're making me sick. Now, speaking of making me sick, Pence, like again, I know that many of you all like are going to disagree with me on this. I know. And I'm ready to get body slammed in the chat for this. But I actually like Mike Pence. Do I think that he did the right thing um, in certifying the election? No, I don't. Because I do believe that that, that the vice president... You know, and and again, the left's framing on this. I refuse to to accept their premise on anything, and so should you. But th- the vice president of the United States is not meant to be a, a rubber stamp. And the left's premise that Donald Trump was trying to steal the election because he wanted to have Mike Pence steal the votes. No, that's not what he was asking to do. He was simply asking Mike Pence to send those those electors back to the states to do an investigation because the states are the ones that are best positioned to look into issues of elections that happen in their own backyard. So but but again, so a fundamental disagreement with Mike Pence. Uh, on that issue, but he's a nice guy. But this comment yesterday, dude, what are you thinking? Go ahead and roll this tape. My wife uh, isn't a member of the teachers union, but I got to admit, I've I've been sleeping with a teacher for 38 years. And uh, full disclosure. TMI, dude, time out. Too much information. No, I don't. Thank you for the full disclosure that you've been sleeping with a teacher. Yes, I know your wife is a teacher, but do, do Republican voters... Do they care about that? Do we really need to know that? Were you trying to be funny? I mean, t- I would tell you this. I've been on the campaign trail with Mike Pence uh, more than a couple times. I'm telling you, the guy is very, very good on the media. I've watched him. I've been right by his side while he was doing hostile media interviews with people who clearly had it out for him. The guy has talent. I'm telling you, is he right for the moment? Probably not. Is he ever going to have his moment in the sun? I don't know. I don't know, Um, but he's got talent. But what's happening here is that these candidates on stage are getting desperate and in their desperation, not only are they trying to be corny and, and relatable to the public and have their standout moment, they're also hurting themselves with the base of the party. These are self-inflicted wounds that not only hurt your candidacy, it hurts our movement as a whole because it makes us look stupid. On the national stage, Nikki Haley last night, again, everyone's desperate for their moment, right? When they're all getting shellacked by 40 to 50 points by Donald Trump, who wasn't even there. All these people are desperate for their moment in the sun. Nikki Haley was no different. Okay. Um, Check out this video of Nikki Haley going after Vivek. Speaking. There's one person ahead, on this. This is infuriating because TikTok <laughs> is one of the most dangerous social media apps yes, that is. we could have. And what you've got, I honestly, every time I hear you, I feel a little bit dumber for what you say <laughs> because I can't believe you know, they hear you've Haley got a TikTok situation. What they're doing is. I'm sorry. That's just not, that's, that ain't cool. Like, and by the way, Nyes were out for Vivek last night because Vivek is surging in the polls. He's one of the only people that resonate with the base. Now, I have real questions about his tie to, ties to the World Economic Forum. Um, it, yeah, I've got concerns about that. But to me, he says the right stuff. I mean, he, he'd he be gr- great in a cabinet position somewhere in a Trump administration. OK, I like Vivek, but people were knives out for Vivek last night because he's surging in the polls. 
So they're trying to take him out. They want to be, I think Nikki Haley wants to be in second place. She's right on his heels. But that comment about TikTok and saying that every time Vivek speaks, especially on this issue on TikTok, it makes her feel dumber. Well, kind of hypocritical. Do you know why? And I'll read this from the National Pulse, okay? Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley launched into a tirade against rival Vivek Ramaswamy on his use of Chinese social media app TikTok at the GOP debate on Wednesday night. The only problem? Nikki's own daughter, Rena Haley, posts to the platform, cringe dances included. I think, Brock, we've got a video. Go ahead and play it. Okay, so I like no commentary. Like Nikki Haley's daughter, I have absolutely no. It's funny, it's cute, whatever. It's not. It's not a commentary on that. I, Nikki Haley's daughter is is free to post on TikTok, and and most kids do. I happen to think TikTok is Chinese spout, spyware. I think it actually makes America less safe. But I I know that people disagree with me on that as well. They they would t- probably say, well, China already has all. They, they've got all that information anyway. Maybe that's true. Um, but. Nikki Haley's daughter's free to free to post on on TikTok. However, if your own family is posting on TikTok, should you really be criticizing another candidate on stage for doing it? I, it just seems hypocritical to me. And again, it just makes our party look stupid because how many Republican base voters care about that crap? They don't. Your job as a candidate on a debate in a primary is to make the case to Republican voters as to why you should be their person. Every candidate failed in that regard last night. Now, talk about the candidates and talk about the moderator. Remember what I told you about accepting the left's premise on any argument. We should not do it. If there's one takeaway that you should all have after this show, do not accept the left's premise on things, folks. I, it's it's absolutely so, so important. But this moderator, why the hell was she even on the stage? She She's making these comments on pro-CRT, critical race theory framing to grill Ron DeSantis on Florida's education system. Uh, it's the, the question is completely unacceptable in a Republican primary. Why? Because it's a left-wing talking point. Go ahead and roll the tape. Governor DeSantis, I have a question for you. Florida's new black history curriculum says, quote, slaves develop skills which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. You have said slaves develop skills in spite of slavery, not because of it. But many are still hurt. For the sentence of slaves, this is personal. What is your message to them? So first of all, that's a hoax that was perpetrated by Kamala Harris. Uh, We are not going to be doing that. Second of all, that was written by descendants of slaves. These are great black history scholars. So we need to stop playing these games. Here's the deal. Our country's education system is in decline because it's focused on indoctrination, denying parents' rights. Florida represents the revival of American education. We're ranked number one in the nation in education by U.S. News and World Report. My wife and I, we have a six, five, and three-year-old. 
this is personal to us. We didn't just talk about universal school choice. We enacted universal school choice. We didn't just talk about parents' bill of rights. We enacted the parents' bill of rights. We eliminated critical race theory, and we now have American civics and the Constitution in our schools in a really big way, just like President Reagan asked for in his farewell address back in 1989. Florida is showing how it's done. We're standing with parents, and our kids are benefiting. Awesome job to Ron DeSantis there. I mean, uh, folks, I'm telling you, Ron DeSantis isn't far in a second place to to President Trump. But I've told you many times before, I don't have any personal animus to, to Ron DeSantis. I think he was a great governor of Florida. But that is a case study in how you reject the left's premise. I'm sorry. That was a hoax. But let me tell you about what I did. The problem with so many Republicans is they want to ingratiate themselves to the media and to A-list celebrities. They want to be a part of the club. They want to be in the cool kids club. But the moment that you walk into politics and decide to run for office, you have to go in there knowing in your mind that you are a rebel. You are an outsider. And you should embrace that. You should love that. You should make that part of your identity. Never, ever, ever be the useful idiot for ABC, CBS, NBC. Stand your ground. Stop trying to ingratiate yourself with these hacks. These hacks don't care about you, the American people. They don't care about the Republicans on that stage. So reject the premise altogether. And kudos to Ron DeSantis for doing it. Um, now. There was also a ton of time by this left-wing moderator. Again, why was she moderating a Republican debate? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, did any of the candidates have a say on that? If they did, I mean, I, I'd, I, I'd like to know because why the hell would you be okay with that? I mean, seriously. Uh, but they spent a ton of time last night asking about dreamers and amnesty for illegal immigrants. Again, why? That is not the direction that we need to be going on that policy discussion. We need to be talking about militarizing our border, securing our border, what to do about the drug cartels that are far more dangerous than any terrorist organization out there. What about the fentanyl that's coming in across our southern border that is now deliberately targeting American children? Children in a daycare center, one just overdosed, four in the hospital because they crawled across a carpet that had fentanyl on it. I mean, look at, look at, there was a video out of Boston today. People are tranked up and on fentanyl, walking around like it's the walking dead. Every day there's a video that emerges from Philadelphia with people that are walking around like they're in a zombie film hooked on fentanyl. This stuff comes across our southern border. Yet we're not even having a conversation about that. We're not even talking about the national security threat that that 11,500 illegal migrants a day coming across our border poses, just an Eagle Pass, by the way, poses to our country. We're not even talking about the, the, the national security threat that the drug cartels pose to America and, and American citizens. We're not even talking about human trafficking, sex trafficking on the southern border. It's a huge problem. It's a silent problem. Nobody's even talking about it. If you talk about that, people people act like you're a member of QAnon or like some member of a vast conspiracy theory. But no, this moderator is asking about amnesty for illegal immigrants. Come on. Completely ridiculous. Completely inappropriate. Roll the tape and watch this. Dreamers work and they pay taxes. As president, if the Supreme Court ends DACA, would you work with Congress 
to reach a permanent solution for dreamers. Well, first, let me say I'm glad. I mean, seriously, a permanent solution for dreamers. I mean, listen to me. The conversation, and this is for every Republican who would run for office. And I, if there's somebody that's running for president that that is watching the show, first of all, that's awesome. That's really cool. I'm glad to have you here. But the conversation about what to do with people here is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. First step is you must secure the border. Stop incentivizing one human wave of illegal aliens streaming across our border after the next. Secure the border first. I mean, like, stop answering questions about what to do with dreamers and accepting left's premise on the issues. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. And one of the other things that look, I I I like Dana Perino. I I I I've never actually met her at Fox. Um, maybe only in passing. I happen to like her. She's really hard to dislike. Very, very hard to dislike. She's a very nice person, very highly respected. Um, but there was kind of a cringy moment during the debate last night. Now, Brock disagrees with me on this. And I have to tell you, I kind of, I kind of, I see where he's coming from. I really do. And I, he's, he's kind of pushed me in the other direction on this a little bit. Um, but let's let's roll the tape first and let's discuss where Dana, uh, Dana Perino talks about the survivor moment. Go ahead, go ahead and roll the tape. You on stage tonight should be voted off the island. <laughs> Please use your marker to write your choice on the notepad in front of you. 15 <laughs> seconds starting now of the people on the stage. Are you who serious? should be? I'm absolutely serious. With all due respect. Wow. I mean, we're here like, wow. well, you know, we're happy to debate. Sure. But I think that that's disrespectful to my fellow competitors. Nobody wants, yeah. to, nobody most, wants to participate. Let's do some questions. Let's talk about the future of the country. I'll answer it. I want to be. I want to be. Clear let me ask you this. If, if I may. Let me, if I may let me ask you something. Yep. Let me, then, yep. if you won't answer that question, let me ask you this one. Yeah. What is your mathematical path? Yes. Governor DeSantis, in order to try to beat President Trump, who has a commanding and enduring lead in this race. So. Polls don't elect presidents. Voters elect presidents. And we're going to take the case of the people in these early states. We're going to do it in a state-by-state direction. And why? Because as Reagan said in his day, this is our time for choosing. We are not getting a mulligan on the 2024 election. Republicans have lost three straight elections in a row. We were supposed to have a red wave with inflation at 9%. It crashed and burned. Not in Florida, it didn't. We delivered it in Florida. And so we've got to choose right. We've got to win. And we need somebody that's going to be able to serve two terms. So in January of 2023, they'll be able to address the nation saying, we turned the economy around, we secured the border, and we fended off the threat from communist China. As your president, I will get that job done. Now, so again, I thought that was kind of cringe. I thought it was maybe like inappropriate for a Republican presidential debate. My initial instincts were, oh, that's kind of stupid. And kudos to Ron DeSantis and the other candidates on that stage for not participating in it. But Brock actually said something that 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 shifted my perspective. And I have to say it it, it was compelling. It was a compelling point. You know, Dana Perino. Did she write that herself? Did somebody else write it for her? She got a staff of people. Maybe. I don't know. But clearly it was intended just to inject some levity into the debate last night. Clearly it was intended just to give these candidates an opportunity to, you know, be funny. I mean, they didn't have to write down like, hey, I'm going to kick 
Garden State Lizzo off this stage because he's polling at 1%. They could have voted like Joe Biden off the island, KJP off the island. They could have voted Barack Obama. I mean, whatever. They could have been creative. They could have been funny, but they didn't take the opportunity. Uh, so again, I'm kind of in the middle on this. Do I think it was appropriate for a, an actual Republican presidential debate? Probably not, but I also see Brock's perspective as well. Um, I, you know, I, I here, here's the, I did see something that I just got to show you because I, I just got done telling you that that I really like Dana Perino, um, and she's very hard to dislike. But I look, my job is to bring facts to you so that you can see things and assess situations for yourself. Right. Like, yes, you're going to get a fair dose of my opinion. You know, I, I get it. And and many of you all probably think I have blood pressure issues because I get so fired up about these issues. But I do take the job seriously of bringing you facts and things that maybe you don't see in other places. Uh, but just a week before the GOP debate, uh, Dana Perino hosted a panel that you guessed it, the Clinton Foundation Gala and introduced the amazing secretary Hillary Clinton and I I I can't I I am there was a time in this country where we could unite around a certain set of principles democrats and republicans Reagan and Tip O'Neill working together on behalf of a grateful nation because both parties loved America I mean we had fundamental different views about the way in which we should move forward to preserve America and to form a more perfect union. But I do not believe by and large that members of the Democrat party who I believe are communists, the vast majority of which are communists. I do not believe that Democrats love this country. I do not believe that Hillary Clinton loves this country. In fact, I think that she has sold the influence of her office for a long time. I do not think the Clintons are good people. I do not think Hillary is a good person. So I would never in a million years, as someone who loves this country and believes in conservative values and believes in the Constitution, which I do not believe the Clintons believe in. I think that they make the I think that they they mock the Constitution through their own actions often. So I would never agree to do something like this. And it makes me wonder about any conservative who would. Go ahead and roll this tape. Of our organization with somebody that you are here to see, the amazing Secretary Hillary Clinton. Here she is. The elites in this country, Republican or traditional Republicans, and I'm talking like, and look, I, I got no problem with the the Bush family. I, I I I voted for them, okay, but the party has changed so much, and Donald Trump has exposed the swamp for what it really is. But the, the Uniparty is a real thing, and they got one big club, folks. And guess what? You ain't in it. And this is precisely the reason why. Donald Trump has the following that he has, because not only, you know, over the course of when he came down that escalator in 2015 and 2016 and won miraculously in 2016 and then four years in, in the Oval, 
Look, not only did he expose Trump derangement syndrome within the media at a level at which and that we've never seen before and the and a left wing bias in the media, he exposed it. We always knew that it was there, but he exposed it like we've never seen before. But you know what else? He exposed a lot of our institutions that are rotting from the inside out that also have a crazy left-wing bias within them, how they've been weaponized against the American people, how the system is not functioning as it should. This is why Donald Trump has the base that he has. And this is also why not a single one of those candidates last night made the case as to why they would be better for this country than Donald Trump. They didn't speak to any of those issues. They were just same old, same old. And I got to tell you, Gavin Newsom was at the debate last night in California. And I told you yesterday that I think the Democrats are shifting their strategy in real time. And my dad talked to me about like the show the other day and about my, about my philosophy about at first they were going to have Kamala step in, but now they realize Kamala is less popular somehow than Joe Biden. The Democrats are looking for another alternative. And my dad actually said, and I, it's, it's compelling. I'm not sure I'm a hundred percent on board yet, but he's a, he thinks that Joe Biden at the convention will say, you know what? Health reasons. I've got to step down, which in turn creates a brokered convention, which then in turns allow then in turn will allow the delegates to make the choice, wholly cutting off the Democrat voters, which, by the way, is in keeping with how Democrat primaries go. They screwed Bernie Sanders over two times in a row out of the fear that he might win. So Joe Biden declining to be the nominee at the convention and allowing the delegates to select someone. I think clearly Gavin Newsom sees an opportunity. I think he's he is a I don't like Gavin Newsom. I think he's a, crad- a crazy radical left-wing communist, but he is a damn good faker, and he's a shrewd politician with good political instincts. He's good on the media. He can fake it to make it. He, I think he'd be a hell of a lot more popular than Kamala. The, de- the, the, the dilemma for the Democrats, though, is how do you replace, if, if your entire political identity is identity politics, and you've made that a core part of who you are as a party, then how do you say the first black woman, the first woman of color who's vice president should not also run for president? They've got a real dilemma on their hand, folks. But trust me when I tell you, Gavin Newsom smells blood in the water. And all of a sudden you see him making the rounds everywhere on the media. He was boots on the ground at the Republican national debate last night. Watch this clip on this interview after the debate of Gavin Newsom. Check this out. This week, we learned that it's going to happen a debate between you and Ron DeSantis, November 30th, Fox News Channel, Sean Hannity in Georgia without a crowd, uh, just the two of you. Why are you doing that? And what is your strategy? Well, I I don't know if that's the right question. Why is he doing it is the right question. He's running, I think. I'm not sure after tonight. But currently, he's running for president of the United States. and you, you think he's still going to be? A, you think he'll still be a candidate on November thirty? That's an open-ended question. Part of me wonders if, you know, uh, the fact that he took this debate, the fact that he took the bait in relation to this debate, shows that he's completely unqualified to be president of the United States. That's my humble first. Why is that? You're baiting him with the debate? Of course. I mean, why is he debating a guy who's not even running for president when he's running for president? He's showing up at the Reagan Library, hollowed ground, and he puts out an ad today, not for his presidential campaign, to promote a debate 
against the governor of California? I mean, this guy's distracted. So I don't know that he has it in his heart. I think, here's my personal opinion about Ron DeSantis, he regrets running for president. Mm. He made a huge mistake. He listened to his consultants. He bought his own hype. He had this little God, God complex. I mean, look at the ads themselves. Literally, God created. I mean, he bought into all this stuff. And he quickly regretted it, but he's stuck. And here's the problem. Get one chance of first impression. He's belly flopped. He's down 30 plus points from where he started. So it's a, it's a terrible situation for him. Listen, Gavin Newsom is shrewd and he's smooth on the media. And I have to say, I don't like the guy. I think he'd be a terrible president. But I'm telling you that his point about why Ron DeSantis would accept a debate with him is right on. Rule number one of running a campaign is you focus your messaging and your attacks on your opponent. Gavin Newsom is not running against Ron DeSantis. Gavin Newsom is not even a candidate. Gavin Newsom is termed out for governor of California after this term. So why is Ron DeSantis debating him? It is a distraction. It takes away from DeSantis's mission. He took the bait. Again, do you remember what I told you? That most political candidates don't have good political instincts. They've got, did you hear what Gavin Newsom said about consultants pushing him this way and that? It's true. It's true. These candidates surround themselves with yes people who have an incentive to keep them in as long as possible. Why? The longer a candidate is in, the more money consultants make. So why Ron DeSantis would accept a debate with Gavin Newsom in the middle of a campaign when he's running against 15 other Republicans that are polling anywhere between 2% and 17% and is 40 to 50 points down against Donald Trump is beyond me. It is a distraction. And Gavin Newsom is right about that. And you know who else I kind of, kind of think agrees? And we'll leave the show with this because this is this is where the narrative and the Republican primary is going. And the scoop, um, what's the name of the guy? Oh, Robert Costa, who's a left-wing guy. Um, but he says, he wrote an article here in the Washington Post. He says, the push for Yunkin 2024 now taking shape as donors and Republicans grow alarmed. Red Vest Retreat is scheduled for October 17th to 18th in Virginia Beach. And the billionaire backer, I don't know how the hell you spell his name, Peter Free, assures me the money would be there. Bill Barr is telling him to put his oar in. And then the billionaire Yunkin backer, Peter Free, says he appears to be leaving the door open. And if Republicans win in Virginia, maybe we can talk him into it. He obviously wants to see what emerges and what the state of play is. So, folks, the Republican primary is in disarray. The establishment has been unable to break the base away from Donald Trump, but the establishment fundamentally misunderstands the moment that we're in and does not understand their own base. And they don't understand that the that this anger at the uniparty in Washington came before Trump. This was a group of people and a base of people that that was almost coalesced, but were waiting for their person to come together and unite them. And Donald Trump is that person. So the base came before Trump. 
Trump just simply represents them. It's why the establishment in the media cannot separate the base from Trump because the base came before. And this is why Republicans, all the Republicans on that debate stage will not be successful. Even if Yunkin gets in, God bless him, he's not going to be successful taking the fight to Trump. Trump is going to be the guy, you know, unless they throw him in jail and remove him from the ballot or pull any other shenanigans that we're pulling, Trump is the guy. And the longer these candidates stay in, the more they hurt this country. So folks, you've been with me for over an hour. I am sure, 100% sure you have had enough talking about the Republican debate. It was an absolute show, a bunch of mouth breathers up there. Um, But thank you all for watching. Again, if you hung with us for this long, please, please, please like this video. Hit that little green thumb. Rumble notices that stuff. And subscribe to the channel, Battleground Live. Subscribe to it. It is and will always be for you. A show that comes to you Monday through Friday live at 5 o'clock. We're about to roll out some really, really exciting news in the very near future. So stay tuned on that. Battleground Apparel Company. It's a company that we form for Americans who love this country. You can get all that merch. I'm wearing a Battleground Apparel Company shirt right now. It says, do not comply on the back. You can get this merchandise at officialshawnparnell.com. We have two new designs coming out that we're going to roll out here shortly when we get them. You're going to love them. You're going to dig them. So listen, thank you for being in the trenches with us. Thank you for fighting to save this country. This movement is growing every day. And you are a founding member of it. That's what this show is all about. So God bless you all. Thank you for watching. We have a hell of a show for you tomorrow. So make sure you tune in at 5 p.m. live tomorrow. But God bless you all. And God bless this exceptional nation that we call home. Take care. Take care.